Hi, I'm Adam Murray. Subtle Disruptors is about pondering two questions. What does it mean to live well in this moment, given the context within which we find ourselves? And how can we shape the world we live in so that it becomes closer to the one we want to inhabit? I do this by talking with people who you probably haven't heard of, but who I think are embodying a fascinating response to these two questions and doing it in a way that involves subtle changes all of us can make. I want you and I to get as much as possible out of these stories and to feel encouraged, connected and resolute in our own quests of subtle disruption. Things like going to pitch nights and if all the judges are male and you have a product or service that services that that you know solves a problem for women there, there's a it's hard to empathize and understand that problem and really relate to that problem things like going to networking events and being the only woman in the room or one of the only women in the room you know yeah funding um, networks community mentors confidence selling skills it's it's all those things Hey, it's Adam Murray here. Thanks again for listening in. This week's guest I met at a breakfast morning I went to, which was around the future of work, and it was a great discussion. And she was there talking about the co-working space she's founded, which is called One Roof. And I'd heard about this co-working space through a number of different channels, and I was really keen to find out more. And it was awesome to be sitting next to Cherie and listening to her talk about her thoughts on the future of work. And have a chance to ask her if she wanted to be a guest on the podcast as well. The One Roof, One Roof is a co-working space which has been purpose-built to support women co-founders and women leaders of growing businesses, of, of small entrepreneurial uh, startup businesses. And yeah, Shree and I had a really great chat in that space. I'm incredibly grateful to her for her graciousness because we actually had to record this twice. The, uh, I had a little problem with my recording and um, it, was, it was great to have a, an extended chat with her and think uh, we got to some really cool stuff the second time around as well. So thanks for listening in and I hope you enjoy listening to Cherie Rubenstein on the subtle disruption of the founder gender imbalance. We're sitting here at One Roof. Mm. Maybe you can talk about where we are and maybe talk about some of the things that have gone. Yeah. yeah. So One Roof has become Australia's leading co-working space dedicated to women-led businesses. We are sitting in a space that's in City Road, South Bank, where we've got about 75 women-led businesses working out of the space. And it's a real hub of support and entrepreneurship. And, you know, we, we do a lot to kind of really support our members and create this great environment that, that allows kind of, you know, entrepreneurs and business owners to really grow their businesses and, and thrive. So the, some of the biggest mistakes or fuck ups or failures that I've made, I, when I started One Roof, I had, so I started it in Melbourne, tested the concept and then decided to grow it really quickly. And so within the space of two years had these short term kind of one roof spaces. So they were kind of six to 12 month leases in Melbourne, Sydney, LA and New York. Four at once. Yeah. 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 Which sounds totally insane. And it was. And (laughs) 
you know, it, it was a great story where it was awesome to talk about how we've got this global network of thousands of women and these awesome spaces and they were all really unique spaces. So it was like in, in LA we were in a boutique shopping mall and in New York we were in a retail space and mm. in Melbourne before this space we were in a home. Um, and so, yeah, it was really interesting and unique and global and people were always like, wow, that sounds amazing, but the realities of it were not, that, you know, were a lot harder. And so I found myself flying every week between Sydney and Melbourne, sleeping at the co-working space in Sydney, which was the most unglamorous thing you can do, and making sure that I wake up early enough in the morning so that, you know, the, the people who get in early don't see me in my pyjamas. Even though people knew that I was sleeping there, I didn't want them to see it. Yeah. And then flying to the US a lot and managing those, the, the space, you know, helping to manage the spaces there. And the reality was it was we were growing too big too quickly yeah. and taking on way too much. And so, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily see it as a failure, but I just see it as it, it was a big learning and the reality was that we were trying to do something well beyond what we were capable of and the markets were vastly different mm. and needed different things from us. So... I've really scaled it back and now One Roof is in Melbourne and this is our headquarters. And in time, we will continue to grow um, again throughout Melbourne and Australia and globally. But, you know, you've, I've got to get it right and it's yeah. got to build organically. Yeah. Was it kind of the personal toll that it was taking on you? Was that one of the main reasons for scaling it back? Yeah. yeah. So the personal toll was one thing, although I... I kind of, you know, I love what I'm doing and I work pretty hard and so I I kind of had this philosophy of if I just work harder, I can make it work. So, yeah, I guess personally it does. It does take that toll and, and you have to realise that sometimes no matter how hard you work, that doesn't mean it's going to succeed and that was definitely a reality. And also I started One Roof with a co-founder, Gianna, and so her and I you know, tested the concept and ran it together. She was based in the US and I was in Australia. And so we said, great, we'll, you know, conquer, I'll conquer Australia, you conquer the US. And we, you know, had this, had this incredible partnership and we really tried to make it work. But the reality was being business partners in, uh, you know, in different countries on other sides of the world and um, trying and, and in different markets with different opportunities, just it got too hard. And the opportunities that were coming here weren't the same as the opportunities that were happening in the US. Yeah. And so we both just followed the opportunities. Yeah. And the most amazing thing is, so we're not business partners anymore, but we're still incredibly close, support each other in, in each other's businesses, have every kind of belief that we'll come back together one day and do things together because of our shared passion for supporting women. Yeah. But yeah, it was just the reality of having to go in different directions. Yeah. One of the things you mentioned when we chatted earlier was around how you did test this idea. Was that, was that before anything? Was that before any other space? Well, yeah, talk about how you did test it and when, when was that in the journey? Yeah. So to rewind a little bit, I started my career as a corporate lawyer, worked as a lawyer for, you know, in law for about two and a half years and started to kind of ask questions around as a woman, what does success look like? And started to really notice challenges and and question, you know, where the female role models and, and are and, you know, is being a woman like 
can that hold me back just because I'm a woman, even though I'm career driven and want to be successful? Was that because of the environment where you were working or, or more broadly than that? Both. Yeah. I think I think mostly broad like it's it's the the broader environment of, you know, just yeah, the the legal corporate world and something that I didn't know existed until I started, you yeah. know, my my career. I just had no idea. And so once I, it, it piqued my interest, then I started to do a lot of research and ask a lot of questions and read a lot of books and run events, networking events for women, and then use, kind of harness those networking events to, to gain insight from women around what they feel holds them back in business and leadership and entrepreneurship and run focus groups in order to garner that, that information. What came out of that led to testing an idea that I called One Roof. And the concept was let's provide every, let's create a physical space and provide everything a female entrepreneur needs to thrive under one roof. And so, in order to test the idea, you know, rather than I'd never, had I ever been in a co working space at that time? I don't think I'd ever even walked into a co working space. Really? I yeah. kind of knew what a co working space was, but not really. It, it just, it wasn't even, it wasn't so clear that it was going to be a co working yeah. space. It was, this is some kind of hub. And rather than finding, you know, a long term 10 year lease and, you know, having to find funding in order to do that. Let's just test the concept and see whether it's just the yeah. craziest idea in the world or whether people actually, you know, would buy into the concept. Had you read like the Lean Startup or any of those kind of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. exactly, it, it was it was a lot of that that Lean Startup idea and also the shared economy idea. So we were kind of going, okay, how can we leverage from something that already exists to test this? And yeah. the the thinking around Airbnb was kind of yeah let's use that in order to test this concept. So we found this beautiful two-story mansion in St Kilda on Grey Street um, on Airbnb and literally converted this woman's home for one week into a pop-up co-working space and kind of turned the the bedroom into a meeting room and the living room was a, a hot desking area during the day and, a, and an event space at night and the kitchen was a brainstorming area. And and the, she had this beautiful outdoor area that where, where people could also take meetings. And so we designed a kind of full program for the week so that it was um, meditation in the morning and brainstorming sessions in the afternoon with an expert and events every evening. And, and had support from NAB and Pitcher Partners and Isobar and a couple of investors and they gave kind of corporate sponsorship and, and supported us. And in one week, 400 people came through the doors. Yeah. Which was amazing. The landlord had no idea what we were doing or how many people came into her house, but it was very clear that we were onto something. And, you know, people, we, we built a basic website on Squarespace. Well, Gianna did because I had no idea how to do that. Yeah. And people could buy day passes or week passes. And yeah, and so, you know, we, we were profitable at the end of that week. And so oh, people wow. actually paid for it yeah. and gave incredibly positive feedback. Amazing test. Yeah. Did, like... It was amazing. Although I have to say, we lived in the house for the week. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, we stayed upstairs. And at the end of the week, I looked at Gianna and I said, I have cabin fever. I need to get out of here. Yeah, God. <laughs> so full on. Yeah. But it was amazing. We, we were on such a high at the end of it. Yeah. Mm. And so 
what had you created that people gravitated towards? Yeah, great question. I think it was really unique. It was a space that was the complete opposite to what an office environment embodies. So this was an environment that was homely, comfortable, welcoming. It had its own kind of unique, you know, kind of vibe because this woman just has a really, just a beautiful home. The architecture was beautiful. There's actually a, an office space in St Kilda called the White House where Small Giants works out of and we had tried to model, like try to kind of recreate, emulate what they had. So it was just this beautiful, unique environment to be in. And then once you you were in the space, so firstly it was like this is really beautiful and what a great place for me to come and work. Yeah. And then it was like, wow, so throughout the whole week I'm getting all this support and events and um, opportunities to meet people, and it happens to be all about supporting women in business. So, yeah, it just had a lot of elements to it that were really unique uh, and really supportive, and a lot of thought had gone into how we curated that week and made sure that people, you know, made new connections or business um, opportunities came out of it. Yeah. And so then... The next step was your first space, mm. which you mentioned where it was. I've forgotten what you said. So it was actually from there we then set up Melbourne, Sydney, LA, New York, oh, right. okay. like in that order. Yeah. Melbourne, um, we worked out of a home in Malvern. It was actually my auntie and uncle's home. And okay. so they were renovating their house. So we worked out of there for six months, <laughs> yeah. which had lots of challenges, but also, again, another beautiful space. Yeah. And I was very, you know, it was amazing that they gave me that opportunity to help grow the business. And then I was connected to Central Equity and Central Equity owned their property developers and they own the current building that we're in. And I pitched the concept to them and they had uh, these two buildings that were available and we negotiated a great deal and they've been incredibly supportive. And so I started with one building, which is about 500 square metres, and four months in, called them up and said, hey, you know, can we expand into the additional building? So yeah. we now have over a 1,000 square metres and it's a combination of, you know, the the hot desking and co-working area, private offices, meeting rooms, and then a large 300-person event space. Yeah. Um, cool. So there, you... You were in the corporate world yourself and you were noticing and doing a whole lot of reading and just like what's holding women back. You'd done some focus groups and you'd had the, uh, the Airbnb experience. Through all that, what, what did you want to create? Like what, what did you put into this, into one roof to that was, you know, going to support women in the way you wanted to support them? Mm. Yeah. So firstly, it was about designing spaces that felt really homely that that kind of had a design, you know, was designed by a female thinking about what is appealing to women without being stereotypically feminine. So there isn't a whole lot of pink, you know, in the space. It's very neutral colours. It's, it's, yeah, trying to have that really warm, homely kind of collaborative feel to it. 
And then it's it's very much been about designing programs and events and support that's really geared towards un- the unique challenges the women face. It's about being really flexible. So, you know, having things like 24-7 access because people want to be able to work here after hours or weekends or, you yeah. know, have just crazy lives. And then when we design the programs and workshops, again, it's it's always been about trying to do things differently. So we actually, we've run an accelerator program here called yeah. One Roof Plus, and yeah. that was for 10 early stage female founders. And when we ran that, we were trying to design the, the I call it an accelerator, but it, it was, I didn't want it to be an accelerator, you know, it was really trying to do things differently. And so some of the ideas that we did and the way that we did it differently was rather than doing a big demo day or, or pitch night, pitch day, you know, at the end of it and bring in, you know, make it really scary and have judges and like Dragon Den or Shark Tank style, it was a pitch night where the, the female founders each had three minutes to pitch And then sat down to an intimate dinner with kind of, I think it was about 40 experts, corporates, investors, you know, established entrepreneurs. And so you could just have an intimate conversation in a much more kind of nurturing environment and more real, more realistic environment. And then we got the, the founders to stand up and move around throughout the night. So it's just, it's thinking about those things. It's also, you know, when we run events, it's it's often kind of focusing on what are the challenges that women face, what's mm. holding them back. It's making sure that there are, that there's gender equality and diversity on our panels, that when we talk about case studies or, you know, successful success stories, it's bringing in female success stories um, into that because if you, you know, that, that concept of you can't be what you can't see and so we really make a point of ensuring that women can see success. Yeah, it's, it's those details. When you have those discussions about like what, what the women need and what's holding them back in particular, what are, the, what are people saying? It's... But then there's also, you know, it's, it's not all bleak. There's also a lot of great things. But yeah. the things that hold them back, a lot of breaking through unconscious bias. And so that's things like, you know, going through capital raising and, and feeling that because, because I'm a woman, I get spoken to differently. The expectation is different. The conversation is different. The questions are different. Um, and it's harder. It's a lot. It's harder. Things like, you know, Things like going to pitch nights and if all the judges are male and you have a product or service that services, that, that you know, solves a problem for women, there, there's a, it's hard to empathise and understand that problem and really relate to that problem. Things like going to networking events and being the only woman in the room or one of the only women in the room, you know, yeah. Funding, um, networks, community, mentors, confidence, selling, skills, it's its all those things. Yeah. 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 You have painted a bit of a bleak picture there. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I didn't want to do that. But, but I think... But the, that might be the case, right, as well. Like, yeah. I'm not trying to put that down. Like, I'm just saying that yeah. that does sound full on. Yeah. 
And and the reality is these issues are there and um, sometimes they're, they're spoken about, sometimes they're not. I think sometimes women struggle to talk about it because it looks it, it, it doesn't look good on their brand and, it, it you know, they might come across as, as complaining or yeah. um, it might, you know, look like they are blaming the fact that they're, like, that they're female as to why their business isn't succeeding. But it's very nuanced and it's there's just a lot of factors involved. It's a very challenging, um, complex kind of problem. Yeah, I think in terms of, you know, the solution and how to deal with it, I guess I kind of, you know, what, what I do and what I'm all about is just taking action and, and saying yes to opportunities and putting myself out there and encouraging other women along that journey and being really honest about that journey, you know, talking about our fuck-ups and talking about the reality of how hard it is because I think that empowers others and empower it, particularly women when they, you know, women can have a tendency to be really hard on themselves and to, to not do things or to not put themselves out there until we feel we're, we're 100% confident and 100% qualified. So I think I, I, I act, it's, it's all in the action and I'm very solution focused um, and I'm all about empowering and encouraging other women and, and telling them to just focus on what you're doing and, and trying to be successful and pushing through the barriers. Yeah. And that's the best thing you can do. Yeah. I mean, good on you. Like, you're obviously, you know, being honest about what it's like to be human I think is probably the most important thing and the most valuable thing we could offer other humans. So and it's and, a beautiful way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, like, and I, you know, I think particularly, you know, with not not that I've got a massive audience on my podcast or anything like that, but people who do have a big audience in particular, I think it's harder for them people in leadership because there's this there's, there's I guess an implied pressure to to be to maintain the brand. Even if the brand might be to be a bit vulnerable, but to be that real, authentic, raw honesty, it, people who are, are looking for guidance can see that and think, "Yeah, well, okay, like I am actually okay. Their experience is really similar to mine, and it's hard, and these are the difficult things." And you know, thank God they're not pretending because when people pretend, it makes me feel like I can never attain that. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I think one of the the hardest things I found when working in corporate and particularly in law as a lawyer is that, you know, there is this kind of air of perfectionism and and you're not really meant to say if you're struggling or you're finding it hard or, you know, you're crying in the bathroom or it's just you've got to be on and you've got to be right the first time. And, and so when I, you know, kind of left that world and came out into entrepreneurship, which is just an entirely different mindset and way of thinking, I found myself so attracted to people and wanting to be around people who were just really real about that journey. And of course, it's not about standing up in front of a room full of people and complaining about how hard it is. Like there's obviously a way of sharing Mm. the challenges, but yeah, I just... For me to to be on the journey that I'm on and to get to where I am and to support other entrepreneurs, I've just, you know, yeah, it's what's helped me and get through that is people who tell it how it is. Yeah. I think we really need that kind of support around us. 
we, we actually on that, I did a collaboration with a few different businesses called the F-Bomb Show. And so we, the idea was we, we made professional YouTube videos interviewing women in business, having the taboo conversations that you don't have about what it takes to run a business. And we've run live kind of events and brought in women of different ages and backgrounds and stages of business and industries and had really real conversations about, you know, what is it like being a mum and running a business and, you know, probably feeling like you're failing at both all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just you, we need to hear those those real yeah, honest yeah. conversations because um, sometimes we just think you know we're we're failing all the time and it's just us and what's wrong yeah. with me. Yeah, that's right. Do you find that does that happen here as well? Do the the founders from the different businesses have that kind of relationship? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. There's a there's a a business here where they are a male and female co-founder and it's awesome the the guy he they've worked out of one roof for probably for five months now and they love it and they're so much a part of like it's like family to them you know it's just become this incredible community that supports them and when they launched you know they went from beta testing to launching they we were all there to celebrate and download the app and and the guy was telling me why he loves working at one roof and he's like you know Women have this this tendency to be supportive and real and open and sharing. And you know, we were we were at a pitching competition, and the women get up and they pitch their business, and they're just real about the journey of it. And he's like, "It's such a refreshing environment to be in. It's like business. You almost do business differently, and it's just mm. a a much more real, less ego driven way." And you still get the same results and you can still sell in the same way. It's just you sell differently and it's it's a really awesome environment to be a part of. So it, it says a lot, I think, coming from a male working out of a female-centric co-working space and yeah. actually really valuing what we've created and the values of it and, and that it goes beyond just women. Like it's it's certain values that people people actually really resonate with and want to do business in that way. Yeah. I don't know if you know a lady called um, Jira Lala Harvey. She's uh, an Aboriginal woman who, I don't know if she does it anymore, but she used to have a communications agency and helping Aboriginal entrepreneurs. And I interviewed her. And one of the things she talked about was the different way that Aboriginal people have about doing business as well, where there's such a, because of the, the community side of it, there's there's such an integrity and an ethic around it that, you know, it's almost impossible to be unethical or rip people off because of the impact that that would have in the community. And I guess why I bring that up is because the entrepreneurial world and the founder world, I think, you can verify this for me is, well, obviously, but you can verify exactly by what proportion is very male-dominated and um, by, by enabling different by enabling diversity in that world, whether it be uh, female founders or Aboriginal founders or whatever other pockets there are, we, we're enriched by all these other, you know, ways of doing business that can or enrich all of our lives as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. And so to bring that back to how that's played out in One Roof, um, so, you know, I think I've said we, we've got about 75 businesses that work out of here. They're all women-led, so they have a female founder, co-founder or CEO. 
but pretty much beyond that, they're really diverse in terms of, you know, the the, type, the the business structure, the industry, the stage of business. And so we have, you know, our largest business is um, HealthKit, which is a team of 20, and that's a health startup. Um, we have different startups that are in kind of fintech or health tech or ed tech or sport tech or gaming or um, travel. And then we have social enterprises and not-for-profits and freelancers and creatives and consultants and and corporates also um, working out of the space. And, you know, so much of what we do at OneRoof is about supporting the members and connecting them to the right people and um, helping them really build their business, whether that's, you know, they want to be connected to investors or philanthropists or government grants or corporate sponsorship or different subject matter experts or mentors or, you know. And so we've got this incredibly rich ecosystem of vastly different people with different passions and business structures all connecting. Um, And it's amazing seeing how, you know, this startup has partnered with this not-for-profit and are donating a portion of their profits to the not-for-profit that works out of the space or, you know, this creative working with our marketing expert to help relaunch her business or, yeah, like the, the collaborations and the opportunities and the conversations that come out of it, that's really what, um, you know, builds this incredible ecosystem within the walls of two buildings. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I'm wondering about is, I guess, as a male who who is involved in this space, like what, how can I best contribute? Mm. Yeah. So, you know, we have, some of our males are our best supporters and advocates. Um, and so we have, as I said, there are, there are, you know, plenty of guys who work out of this space. Um, and it's amazing that we tend to attract guys who love it and get it and are so much a part of the community. Yeah. We have a lot of guys who are experts, subject matter experts. So we have like a lawyer, an accountant, a government grant expert, a social media person, a salesperson, a marketing person, a a, um, products person, a software developer, an investor, all these um, PR, they're all experts um, who will work out of our space, you know, maybe once a week and offer free office hours to the members. And a lot of, plenty of them are guys and that's, been awesome and our members love it and it's a great opportunity for them to kind of get this free one-on-one kind of 30-minute consultation and then potentially those experts get work out of that. We have lots of guys who are involved in running events at One Roof, in sponsoring events, in participating in events, in in panels, mentoring our members. So often um, a member will come to me and say, I'm looking for a coach or a mentor or somebody, somebody on my board, can you help me? And I'll go out to, you know, my broader network of people who um, have said that they're interested in doing that and, and curate those connections. Yeah. And I think having having males who understand it and just kind of you know out there talking about why one roof is important and that it's a great place to be and that you know you should go you know like refer people to one roof is is amazing yeah, yeah awesome mm. the we talked i asked you this question last time but i, I thought it was really interesting mm. your answer and it was about you know, what you're observing here in the way and what you've created and the way people are working and, and what 
insight that's giving you into the way that we'll be working over the next five to ten years. So there are a few interesting trends that I think um, are happening and that I think One Roof is kind of, you know, at the forefront of that. So co-working, firstly, is a rapidly growing trend and has grown exponentially in the last three years just in Melbourne and you're seeing co-working spaces pop up everywhere. I think that is... You know, that says a lot about A, the number of people starting businesses and B, that that they start a business and they want to be, you know, they they want to be in an environment amongst other yeah, like-minded entrepreneurs. Right. And all the co-working spaces around Melbourne and around Australia are very different. You know, they have different niches, they're in different locations, they attract a different audience, which is great because we all, we're all different, we all want different things. So it's awesome to have that variety. I think that there's this concept of kind of a portfolio career. So where, and this is a growing trend where people taking on different jobs and, and opportunities to work all at the same time. So it might be that you work a couple of days a week in corporate, but then you also run a couple of your own businesses and then you also do consulting, you know, consulting work. And so, and it's also this concept. So, a 15-year-old today will have 17 different jobs across five different careers in their lifetime. And so this idea of people not being fixed to one job or one career or, you know, I studied law so I'm going to become a lawyer and spend my whole life being a lawyer, it, it's kind of it's, – it's rapidly changing. Yeah. And what comes with that is that people want different things. And so when they want different things, the way we work and how we work changes. So you see with millennials, there's a greater desire for flexibility, you know, to be able to travel and work, to be able to have kids and, and work, work from home, work from different locations. They want fulfillment and um, purpose and autonomy in what they do. Yeah. And so I think, um, you know, that means that that corporates and big businesses need to work harder in order to attract and retain good talent. We spoke about this before. So Lululemon, they, we have a great partnership with them. So they use our space really regularly. And what Lululemon, I mean, they're such a cool organization. It's like every every person I've ever met who works at Lululemon raves about it. It's really? like everybody's yeah. like, like on happy pills, you know. <laughs> and so Lululemon kind of goes, okay, well, we know that our our staff are probably have a side hustle or have an idea or something that they want to do on the side. And rather than pretending like we don't know that or stifling them from from you know ever pursuing that and losing them anyway, why not embrace it and actually yeah. give them the opportunity to see what, you know, to, to leverage from Lululemon and to test these ideas that they have. And so we've got a lot of Lululemon staff regularly working out of one roof, using our meeting rooms, utilising the kind of support and, and, you know, sitting with our experts and, and sitting in on our brainstorming sessions and things like and attending our events. Yeah. And that's awesome. So I think the more corporates start to... to adapt to the reality of how, you know, people's needs and desires are changing, mm. the, the better. And, and I'm just excited that having a space like One Roof can offer, you know, something in this vastly changing environment. Yeah. It is. I started off working in, say, big four consulting firms and to where I am now where I'm consulting to a, a startup in Richmond called Estimate One and just noticing... Like it's obviously it's it's a long period of time, 
and they're very different organisations. But noticing how the founder of that business talks about, he talks about his purpose. So he's got an external purpose, which is for the construction industry. And then there's also an internal purpose, which is to essentially enable an on, the entrepreneurship of the people that come and work for him. Yeah. And he's, he's sort of seeing himself as, I guess, you know, he needs to harness their skills for a period of time and, and they've got to contribute to the business. But he's also like a steward of them and providing a platform that they can, you know, grow and expand from yeah. and grow into what it's not about controlling and, you know, stifling and lack of trust and, yeah, yeah awesome. Because then, you know, the reality is you'll lose people. You know, and I think the best thing that you can do is empower your your employees to be entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs and they might come up with great ideas that the organisation then, you know, can say, great, like you run this little startup within our organisation and we fund it and, yeah. you know, that's how you innovate within, within a large organisation. So you can, you know... You can always leverage from that if you see the the long term, you know, benefits of empowering your staff in that way. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I've given talks to innovation teams within different corporates, and you know, I always encourage them. It's like you're all about innovation, but how often do you get out of your office and actually see what goes on outside of your walls and interact with? you know, inventors and entrepreneurs and innovators and, like, how can you innovate just by being within the confines of your organisation? So yeah. I think if if corporates want to exist and continue to attract great talent and, and be around in 50 years' time, they have to get outside and their, their employees have to get outside and see what's going on. And sure, you might lose people in that process, but I think that's the only way that you can truly innovate and, and continue to adapt with, you know, the way, the way kind of things are changing. Like the landscape cha- is changing so quickly. Yeah, I think as a little spin-off to that, like I think just what you were saying there about getting out of the office or changing routines, like that's one of the most important things I find I can do from time to time is literally just change my routine or walk a different way or get out of the office and just go wandering because there's so many different worlds out there that I'm so blinded to most of the time because I get to work at the same time every day or I follow the same path to work. And if I say I got up really early, I would notice, you know, I used to be a cyclist. And so before I was a cyclist, I was like, oh, my gosh, like at 5 a.m., the streets are just crawling with cyclists. Like I had no idea because I was asleep at that time. But there's <laughs> worlds like that, you know, yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's, that, that's an entrepreneur, entrepreneur's mindset. And it's, it's true. It's a great thing. And it's important to get out of our comfort zone. You know, yeah. and, and out of our, our routine. One of my mentors, when I first started One Roof, said to me, Cherie, get comfortable with being uncomfortable every single day. Like, don't get into, you know, where in, innately we need routine, but she, but, you know, she was like, it, you are going to do things every single day that you've never done the day before and you just, just embrace it and yeah. you'll have no idea what you're doing and no idea how to do it. And the more that we, we do that. The more we step into uncomfortable and the more that we change up our routine, the more we get comfortable with that. And then you you get like innovation and ideas and creativity sparks naturally out of that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right, three more questions for you. Awesome. The first one is about, 
yeah, where you want to go. Like where's, what's the vision for One Roof? Yeah. yeah. So the vision is to create, to continue to set up multiple hubs that focus on supporting women-led businesses, starting with hubs around Melbourne and those hubs might have, will have a different niche. So it might be that the space in South Bank is for early stage Uh, slightly more aspirational entrepreneurs who want to connect and network and want to be part of kind of, you know, want to talk and be in this community that's buzzing and lots of events and lots of support, Um, whereas there might be a a hub in Richmond that is for more established women-led businesses where those, the founders of those businesses want to connect with each other but don't have as much time to get involved in the networking and connecting. And then, you know, no matter which space you're working in, you, you'd have access to the events and the support that, that we provide, no matter where we provide it. Um, I want to continue to refine the support that we're providing. So we have this really extensive kind of program. It's, it's almost, it's like an incubator program of support. And so I want to be really, really targeted for, you know, each business that comes in here. We, we do already spend a lot of time understanding their needs and how we can support them and just keep refining that and yeah. really um, analyze and track the and measure the impact of what we're doing. And then also my my biggest goal is to be able to provide funding. So really using OneRoof as, as a, a platform and a pipeline that leads businesses into investment because I think that that is one of the greatest ways that we can really um, shift the dial and kind of close the gender gap in entrepreneurship. And I think it's one of the biggest things um, women are struggling with in startup um, at the moment, and that's that funding piece. And it's funding at, at different stages. So, you know, I have this vision that we'll have a fund where you're looking for $100,000 um, and so where we can kind of set up the, these opportunities for you to get access to um seed funding to help you take your business. It's just that little, you know, maybe it gets you out of your corporate job or it just gives you what you need in order to build the technology to help you kind of get to that, get that traction that everybody in Australia says you have to have in order to get anything. So I'm really, really like that. That's the big dream that I'm working towards. Yeah. It sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The last two are questions that I usually ask at the end of an episode. And the first one's about something outside of your current area that you've got your eye on or you daydream about being a subtle disruptor in. So, you know, at the moment you're doing this around, I guess, female entrepreneurs and female founders and, um, and you're cutting, you know, creating some disruption there. Is there something else that you think, oh, I wish someone would tackle that or maybe one day I'll get to that? Is there something that comes to mind when I talk about that? I mean, it's the funding that I'm not doing. You know, I'm kind of repeating what I said before, but the only big thing that comes to mind right now is that setting up uh, an an investment fund or some kind of, you know, or even if it's loans or some kind of, actually it's beyond that. It's like finding a new structure, um, a new way of being able to offer uh, funding to women-led businesses. So, you know, I did meet a woman who is from Canada who has a business called She EO, and basically, what sh- what the way that she's structured the funding is that she asks a thousand women in in a city 
to what she calls, it's called, she calls it radical generosity. So she says to a thousand women, please give me a thousand dollars to put into this fund. You will never see that $1,000 again, but what will happen is that we use that money to invest in women-led businesses in, in our area, in the area that you're in, and you'll watch and, and they receive that as a loan, and then over time they will pay that money back with interest, I'm pretty sure, and then that money gets used to fund more women. Yeah. So something like that um, yeah. that's just different and unique and outside of typical kind of VC structures. Yeah. Have you looked into like microfinancing kind no, of stuff? It no, sounds... not enough. Exactly. Yeah. That concept okay. too. Yeah, which apparently has had pretty amazing impacts on some of the communities where that has been implemented. The last question is about yourself and it's about something small, something subtle that you've made, a change that you've made in your own life that's had a really important or uh, profound impact. Maybe it's something that you change or maybe it's something that you do every day. Mm. Yeah. Look, I think one of the biggest changes in my life was going from a lawyer to an entrepreneur and it shifted my mindset. So, um, and I, I did talk about this a bit before, but it's like going from feeling like, you know, being having resources and time and money and needing to be perfect before you do anything to having none of that and just having to test and learn and fail incredibly quickly. I think the other thing is that I have I I realized really early on that networking would be, I think it was actually subconsciously that I realized this, but networking would be a big part of you know, needing to build up myself and my career and um, to grow and, and, and to build one roof. And so I've just really put myself out there and, and met incredible people and built this incredible network, support network around me of, of entrepreneurs who, you know, share that kind of daring, disruptive, risk-taking, passionate, you know, personalities. And so it's like, yeah, I'm constantly surrounded every day now by people who might not make the kind of, you know, might not make good money, but, and obviously what they're doing is really hard, but still love what they're doing and are so passionate and have put everything into it. So, yeah, I think really surrounding myself with those people and being able to learn and grow from them and kind of having this, this, I have this kind of personal board of advisors of, you know, there's these, a whole range of people who they, they don't even know they're on my board of advisors, but it's like <laughs> yeah. they're the people I go to, you know. I, I have like in this, it's like there'll be situations where I'm about to go into a meeting and I call one of my people on my board of advice, personal board of advisors and, and say, what do I do? Like, what do I say? How do I deal with this meeting? And, and he'll quickly give me, you know, okay, this is what you do. Great. Bye. See you later. And so... It, yeah, having having that kind of support and network has really helped me to get to where I am today and has really helped One Roof to be what it is. Awesome. Sheree, thank you so much. It's been really good to chat with you and thanks for being gracious and doing it again as thanks, well. Thanks, Adam. Pleasure. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with me, the best way to do that is through email to adam at subtledisruptors.com. Thank you so much to the people that do send me emails. I really appreciate the encouragement. 
I really appreciate the guests that you suggest as well. Many of them have turned into actual guests on this show. If you do have any suggestions, please send them through. Something else you could do if you can find the time is to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or through other platforms that you might use. It's pretty easy to do through the app or through on your phone or on your laptop or computer. I hope you feel a little more encouraged, connected and resolute in your own quest to subtle disruption. And one day, I hope to hear about your subtle disruption as well. Bye for now.